8 o'clock. Appreciate you joining us, Jim, and the Buckeye Boy, the Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network, 101.1 FM, 1340 AM here in the Valley along Highway 50, 102.1 FM. Or you can stream us, get the mobile app at the team 1340com or you can hear podcasts of this show, get the interviews from this show as well. It is a Wine About a Wednesday with Talon Wine. Apparently everything must be hunky-dory for the pile today because nobody's really whining about anything. Yeah, maybe, I mean, they're, maybe they're just happy. <laughs> there's, not that there's anything wrong with it's kind that. kind of their default position, isn't it? I guess so, and that's fine. <laughs> if everything's great, then I'm thrilled for you. Yeah, sure. We're happy as well. We are. Hurts our content base, but, you know. No, I'm just kidding. If Pyle's happy, I'm happy. All right, so um, all three of the Valley girls basketball teams losing last night in the state tournament. Montrose and Delta, they move on with victories last night. We'll have a boys action. So tonight, just to give you a a quick sense of what we'll be doing with Mm -hmm. full-court coverage, it'll be not exactly full-court coverage like last night. We had Fruit and Palisade playing. Because Fruit of Monma boys play Highlands Ranch at 6, Grand Junction's at 7. But we will bring you a live listen-in Yeah, on uh, Mark Cantor's going down to Pagosa Springs. Delta boys at, at Pagosa Springs will be bringing you some of that coverage. And uh, just a reminder, by the way, if you want to hear the full Delta broadcast, you can go over to uh, the Monkeys website and click on the stream for Mark's broadcast. But we will bring you some of that game here on the team, 102.1 in Delta, tonight. Not the whole game, parts of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, when the Delta boys play at Pagosa Springs. But uh, Fruit of Monument boys, Highlands Ranch at uh, 6 tonight on the team. Our pregame starts at 5.30 with Grand Junction boys at uh, hosting, I should say, Denver North at the the Tigers gym. The la- this will now be officially the last game and the old gymnasium before they tear it down. An incredible crowd. A lot of, as Dutch Johnson mentioned, a lot of alums were there Friday night when Grand Junction hosted Central. The two crosstown rivals meeting in that gym for the mm-hmm. final time. But tonight will be the uh, the last official game with uh, the Tiger Boys taking on Denver North. Right, we got an outside chance for Saturday, though. Upsets could be upsets. Could happen. If Central beats Lewis Palmer, guess what's Saturday at Grand Junction yep. High School? Central Junction. Central Grand Junction. They couldn't put them on the first round against each other to try to knock off the Western Slope early like yeah, they Lewis, normally Lewis do. Palmer, a, a sixth seed. So... Tough test for the, the mm-hmm. Warriors to go there tonight. Hey, the, the shooters shoot. We saw it last night. Shooters get hot. You never know. Central's never got know. some kids that get out to an early, you know, 10, 12 points in the first quarter for a kid like Jackson Amos. Yeah. You know, that's three a, point shooter. No, always a possibility. Yeah. We'll, we'll keep you updated on and that we game be tonight. back there Saturday. That would be really cool. Yeah. But at the moment, the mm-hmm. one we, this is Officially the moment, for right now, is the final game. Yeah. Barring, of course, what, what that'd be cool. Central Grand yep. Junction one more time, yeah, in the state tournament. How cool would that be? Let's hope that that does happen. Uh, with Central going to Lewis Palmer tonight, you also have the Palisade Boys basketball team. They're at Vista Peak Prep at six o'clock. We'll keep you updated on those games. Uh, we had Ryan Bowringer on earlier, Montrose Boys coach. They have Harrison tonight. We'll have that on the Monkey ninety three point five in Montrose, starting at five forty five with Larry Newland. All right, so. Um, Got a lot to, to get to this hour. Michael Wells for the Monument Boys coach will join us coming up a little bit uh, as they open up the 6A tournament as the number one seed in the 6A postseason. Also, uh, Avalanche voice Connor McGahee 
We'll uh, talk about the Avs win over Vancouver last night. All right, it's 8.04, and it's time to go around the NFL. The latest on the Broncos and the league. It's around the NFL on the Jim Davis Show. All right, let's start out with Daniel Jeremiah of the NFL Network. Oh, okay. We've been We've been doing... Um, you know, occasional mock drafts oh, with other I, people. I didn't know if there was DJ news. I, no. Isn't Ian Rappaport a free agent? I believe I he is. I didn't know if DJ was a free agent, too. I, I'm i not aware of that. Not sure. But Daniel Jeremiah, who covers, of course, the NFL for the NFL Network, he has his mock draft. And uh, Scouting Combine comes up on the 29th, by the way, if you're keeping track of that. So we'll, we'll go through... We'll go through, like, the top 15. Okay. He has the Bears taking Caleb Williams. He has the Commanders taking Drake May. He has the Patriots taking your guy, Marvin Harrison Jr. Oh, you know Bill Belichick's out now if they're drafting wide receivers. (laughs) Arizona picks fourth, and he projects Malik Neighbors, the wide receiver from LSU, to go to the Cardinals. Chargers pick fifth. Joe Alt, the offensive tackle from Notre Dame, expected to be selected by your guy, big mm-hmm. dumb khaki pants. Yeah. What a dork. <laughs> Did you see him Sick. trying to pull the Gardner Minshew? I'll live in the trailer park by the practice facility if I have to. Shut up. Sorry. Anyway, it's neither here nor there. <laughs> Sixth, it's the Giants. And it looks like they're, uh, at least according to Dan Jeremiah, through with the with old uh, the other DJ. Daniel Jones with yeah. old uh, Danny Dimes and uh, going to take Jaden Daniels what the about LSU the quarterback. passing Paisano uh, hey, oh. I know I don't think so hey. so they might as well just stay there for winning the high gonna, like I'll just find an apartment here we'll let Tommy DeVito go serve breadsticks at some Italian restaurant because they're going to take the Heisman Trophy Can't winner Jaden Daniels that fee <laughs> Can't cancel that appearance if they don't double the fee now, can you? Seventh, the Titans are taking, oh, man. <laughs> Fashano, and his first name I cannot even begin to say. Olamowani? Olamoway? Mm. Fashanu, the Penn State offensive tackle. Eighth, the Atlanta Falcons. J.J. McCarthy. Oh, oh wait yeah. a minute. I thought he was going to go first in the draft. Jim Harbaugh? No. Uh, according no. to Daniel Jeremiah, he'll go eighth to the Falcons. Ninth, Rome uh, Adunzi, the, the Washington wide receiver. Tenth, the Jets will take Oregon State offensive tackle, Talisa uh, Fauga. So he'll go to the Jets. Eleventh, the Vikings will take Dallas Turner, the Alabama edge rusher. So we get to number 12. Jared Verse, Florida State edge rusher, selected by the Denver Broncos. Though Jeremiah says, um, maybe a quarterback here, but he thinks it'll be Jared Verse. And then 13th, the Raiders, uh, Teron Arnold, the, the Alabama cornerback, the Saints, J.C. Latham, the Alabama offensive tackle with the 14th pick to New Orleans, and then 15th will be the Colts, Nate Wiggins, the Clemson cornerback. Just looking to see Brock Bowers, who I would love to see mm-hmm. play for the Broncos. The Georgia tied in, 18 to the Bengals, because they don't have enough guys to make plays. And just looking to see if there's any other quarterbacks that he has in the first round. 
looks like no other QBs go in the first round, according to Daniel Jeremiah. So the Broncos will go with Jared Verse, Florida State edge rusher. We'll see if that is the case. So Nick Cosminder, he has a, a, a piece today that's a 10-point plan, the 10-step plan to help Denver move from where they are to where they need to get to. So let's go through this with Nick Cosminder. I love 10-step plans. Should I start 10 to 1 or go 1 to 10? What do you think? Do you think? You, let's do 1 to 10. All right, so number one. Are you looking at this? No, I'm not. Okay. What is the number one thing he thinks that they need to do? Figure out what to do with Russell Wilson's contract. Ding, ding, ding. He has a very simple answer. It's release Russell Wilson. Free Russ. Yeah, just I kind of kind of agree with it. Just pull the Band-Aid off and be done with it. Because by releasing him before March 17th, it'll create $85 million in dead money charges that does put a squeeze in the Broncos' books, even if they spread it out over the, you know, via the post-June 1 cut designation over the next mm-hmm. two seasons. Possibility that, that maybe Russ and his camp, they, they try to work out some kind of trade. That's always a possibility. But it's looking more and more like releasing Russell Wilson will be the, the thing that they have to do. Now, if you're a Broncos fan, you should not be celebrating this because of all that dead money that I just yeah. referenced. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of dead money. but And I also don't think you can let Russ go get the trade because there's no guarantee you're going to agree to the terms that Russ agrees to. Right. If his people go out and negotiate something, I mean, I'd say let them. Let them go try it. If they bring something back that actually Right. Let them do works. the legwork. I'm with you. Yeah, but... But you, but you get into a weird yeah, spot of the player is negotiating or his people are trying to put together a trade. Mm-hmm. And if you're him, why you're not going to make it very advantageous to the Broncos. Why would you? No. When they either cut me or pay me. It's like the Goodfellas line from Henry Hill. Leap you, pay me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know. So number two, they release Russ. They have to go find a quarterback. Yeah. Because right now, if if Wilson is gone, it's Jared Stidham and Ben DiNucci. Yikes. You do have the 12th pick in the draft. That's good. You could potentially draft a quarterback there, possibly. Yeah. And Cosminder says, look, for, forget about Kirk Cousins, ba- Baker Mayfield. That's not going to happen. No. No, it's... That. So, who do you think he is suggesting? It's a guy that Sean Payton knows. Tom Brady. No. Oh, didn't they want to get together in Miami, though? That'd be great. But Drew no. Brees. No, a guy that, a guy that's James not retired Winston. that actually ding, ding, ding. <laughs> I, was, I was just getting there. That he feels like signing Winston to an incentive-laden one-year deal to compete with Stidham gives the Broncos at least a starting point to move forward at quarterback. And there's some history there. Winston signed the one-year $12 million deal with Peyton and the Saints in 2021. Went to camp, had to beat out Taysom Hill to earn the starting job. He's got 70 starts to his credit. Which is the more fun 30-30? Jameis Winston's touchdowns and interceptions or Ryan McMahon's games and strikeouts? Ooh. I'm going to go Jameis Winston. 
but the 30 30. That's true. There's touchdowns in there, too. 30 of them, as a matter of fact. Yeah. So he mentions other guys that we've talked about Sam Darnold, Jake Browning, that are possibilities. But this, with the free agent quarterback market, why does it feel like I threw up in my mouth? Why does it taste that way? This is not great. Everybody keeps talking about Sam Darnold's potential. If he just gets to the right place, he just gets to the right organization. I mean, he isn't he, the team that took Brock Purdy to the Super Bowl uh, the right organization. You would for think, him? and you would think if Sam Darnold was going to live up to his first round draft pick status, mm-hmm. he would have beat out Mister Irrelevant to be the starting quarterback. Yeah, which he did they, not because they invested a lot in Trey Lance. Trey Lance was gone. They traded him when it that didn't work out. Mm-hmm. I mean, the path was was pretty clear for Sam Darnold to go in show Kyle Shanahan. I, I'm I'm wor- I'm I'm worthy of that first round pick because I'm in a place now where I know how to run this offense and this fits my, you know, my skill set. Right. He didn't beat out Brock Purdy. No, and you may sit there and think, well, maybe Kyle, Kyle Shanahan wanted Brock Purdy and he didn't maybe give Sam Darnold a fair shake to win that job. That may be true, but Kyle Shanahan also traded up to take a guy third and then shipped him away a year and a half later. So he's willing to admit this this is not the right guy. And if he thought that Brock Purdy wasn't the right guy in favor of Sam Darnold, then he would have pulled the trigger on that. Absolutely. Jake Browning had to come in and replace Joe Burrow when he got hurt and the yeah. season came to an end with, with the knee injury. You know, the, the, it wasn't a, a bad year. 70% completion percentage, 1,936 yards, 12 touchdowns, 7 picks. No, not terrible at all. He played pretty well, but there's the issue with his contract of of the Broncos having a a difficult time maybe signing a guy like Jake Browning. I think he's also a restricted. Free yes, agent. that's the, the exact. That's where I was. Remember exactly what that yeah. is. Like he's not a straight up sign him. He's yours. You have to. Like there's an offer sheet, and the Bengals have a chance to match. And if you're going to sign him to a potential starting quarterback caliber offer sheet. The Bengals may not match it because they already have a starting quarterback. Right. You may have heard of him, Joe Burrow. Right. But then you're going to have to pay Jake Browning as, you know, a mid-level starting quarterback salary of right. eight, ten, twelve million dollars a year. And are you because he signed a one year seven hundred fifty thousand dollar contract Mm-hmm. With with Cincinnati, but they certainly like what they saw from him. Yeah, and it's always tough to find really good backups. And I think they like they're not going to go pay two starting quarterbacks, but they will take a long hard look at matching most of the offer sheets out there. Right. I'm guessing. Yeah, exclusive, one- exclusive rights, free agent. Right now, they could keep him for a free agent minimum of about $915,000 for one year. <laughs> sold. If I'm the Bengals, to, to be sold. To be your backup, to be your break glass. Yeah. In case of emergency, because he's already shown that he can play mm-hmm. and help you win games. Then If then, I'm the GM of the Bengals, I don't even bother opening that email. If the subject line is Jake Browning, like, nope. Yeah. So let's, let's forget about Jake Browning. And it's not going to be Sam Darnold. I, I, I wishing made it so. Yeah, and Jameis Winston, don't he keeps saying I'd want to stay in New Orleans, but 
They get Derek Carr there. Winston's not going to be supplanting Derek Carr. No. So the third on this list of plan to move the Broncos forward from where they are right now uh, to where they need to get to is trade Jerry Judy. Jerry Judy, the year before, 54 catches, 758 yards. Last five games, he was absolutely red hot. But then, you know, or it should say it was last season, he was, you know, this is after a season where he caught the 758 yards, his lowest total in three full seasons he's played. Remember, he had almost 1,000 yards say, the season before that and had the five mm-hmm. games uh, to, to go back up on that, the five games at the end of the season where he was really, really good. Broncos picked up his fifth-year option last May. He'll get $12.9 million for 2024. If you can get somebody else to pay that, by all means. Teams have been interested in him. You've got Marvin Mims, who in his second season, you need to get him more opportunity. Mm-hmm. That It makes sense. And it may be because I'm not a fan of the team, so I'm not invested in Jerry Judy as a player on my team, but... I've kind of seen all I need to see from Jerry Judy. At this point, I mean, is there anything that you're like, you know what? How many more years can you? Well, we just got to do this and this and this, and then Jerry Judy's going to be a stud. Some guys someday, just someday. walk onto the field yeah. studs. That he's going to live up to the 15th pick of the draft. Mm-hmm. Jerry Judy needs a lot of conditions to go his way to be a stud. Then he's not a stud. Tyreek Hill, whether it's below freezing or 72 and sunny, stud. When healthy, which is everybody, so that doesn't exactly. count with Jerry Judy. I'm not holding his Justin Jefferson, same deal. Walks out onto the field, stud. Jerry Judy, it's like, well, if you get the right coverage and the right quarterback and the offense game plans around him and he's locked in, then stud. Then he's not. He's just a good player. And it's, and it's time to move on from him. Fourth on this list, extend Justin Simmons because he's due to count $18.3 million against the cap in 2024, but there's no guaranteed money left on his final year of his deal. So Denver, the second contract extension, they could end up saving more than $10 million in cap space if they get something done with him. He will be 31 in November. And so that is the question of now he's starting to get in that territory where... How many more years do you want to extend him? What what What's that going to look like? While, yes, he's an all-pro safety, you're also now the guy that's on the wrong side of 30. And then for the Broncos, you know, they, they head in, really, they've got some uncertainty about who's going to play with Justin Simmons. Mm-hmm. B.J. Locke's a free agent. Caden Stearns coming off yet another major injury, the knee injury this time. DeLorean Turner-Yell suffered a torn ACL in Week 17. They got rid of Kareem Jackson. They drafted J.L. Skinner out of Boise State. He got in on one defensive snap as a rookie. So there's a lot of questions there. A lot of questions. Like you mentioned, Justin Simmons is going to be 31. He's going to be the third oldest defender on the team, right there with Alex Singleton and Mike Purcell. The other two are no longer with the team, Randy Gregory and Kareem Jackson from last year. Right. Wrong side of 30. His peak effectiveness, I don't think, is arguable that it's behind him as opposed to ahead of him. Now, his prime, he might still be in. But his peak, which is different, I think was probably two years ago. Yeah. 
this is where successful teams make tough decisions on and, guys like this. I think the uncertainty yeah. is going to give Justin Simmons some job security, but this is the time where they start planning for life after Justin Simmons. Absolutely. And so extending him, I get why. Mm-hmm. He's one of your best defensive players. But, you, yeah, you've got to you make sure that's an extension that's not mm-hmm. five years down the road. Yep. Also, I'll just go through the rest of these very quickly. Uh, number five, be future-focused in dealings with other veterans. Like Cortland Sutton, for Somebody example. Somebody just said that. How, how, how are you going to do that You know, with, with other players? You're going to yeah. have to deal that with, like I said, with Cortland Sutton. He's due to count $17.4 million against the cap this year. Again, peak behind him. Time to move on. Uh, number six, restructure Zach Allen. You could say the Broncos, $9.4 million if they can get his deal redone. Also, another candidate for restructuring, Mike McGlinchey. Yes, considering yes, he do that. dramatically underperformed this season. Zach Allen, eh, I mean, I don't know if that's top 10 things you have to get done. He, but he played, played pretty well. played well, and you want to keep him, I think. Yeah, yeah, you know, figure out a way if he's amenable to it. But he also, he earned his money way more than Mike McGlinchey did. Uh, totally agree. Number eight, prioritize Josie Jewell, Will Lutz among team's free agents. Because they did resign Jonas Griffith recently to to get in the mix in, in that inside linebacker core. Got Check on Mark Kisla with that. Yeah. you got to figure out what to do with Drew Sanders. Lutz ultimately turned out to be pretty good. Let's be honest about that. Yeah. But the reason they didn't win the Super Bowl is because his onside kick. Uh, number nine, reserve marquee outside settings for front seven. I mean, they've got some good pieces there with, with Nick Benito, Jonathan Cooper, Baron Browning, but maybe adding a, a player to like a Leonard Williams up front who had five and a half sacks, 10 tackles for the, the Giants and the Seahawks last season. Maybe getting a guy like Andrew Van Ginkle, who was a, a pretty good number two pass rusher for the Dolphins last season. Leonard Floyd's name is is also on this list. Got to get better up front. They've been at their best as a team. I know a lot of people talk about the no-fly zone, but what did they have? They had a tier one pass rusher in Von Miller. They did. Absolute tier one. That helps out the entire back seven of your defense. If you don't have it, they could be great. They could be two all pros out of those four guys back there. And, and they've got gonna... guys that are ca- maybe capable mm-hmm. of getting... I mean, combined a couple of guys together, yeah. combining what Von Miller could do that they currently have mm-hmm. under contract on this roster. But if you can find a tier one, absolutely. Absolutely. And then number 10, if the plan is to thin the draft cupboard again to draft a quarterback, you, you better hit on that guy. Mm-hmm. You better hit on whoever you're going to draft. I don't know if there's a guy in this class that is a 100% can't miss. I think there seldom is. Yeah. And, you know, I but can talk myself so into any sure. of the five or six of them, but I can also be like, eh, you know, I don't I don't really know. Yeah, yeah absolutely. All right, coming up, uh, Fruit of Monument uh, boys basketball coach Michael Wells, but uh, joining us right now to talk about uh, the Girl Scouts and the Give a Chef a Cookie event coming up. We have uh, Ashley. Ashley, good morning. Thanks for coming in this morning. Hi, good morning. Thanks for having me. Being uh, the father of a a former Girl Scout, it's uh, it's great to have uh, and to talk about the Girl Scouts. And this is going to be an incredible evening of featured savory dishes prepared by Mesa County's hottest chefs infused with world-famous Girl Scout cookies. Uh, Tell us more about this. Uh, Sounds like a delectable event coming up. Uh, to benefit the Girl Scouts. Yeah, absolutely. So it is this Friday evening, February 23rd, 6 o'clock at Lincoln Park Barn. 
Um, and we have six chefs from around the valley that are coming together and they've got the challenge of taking one of our Girl Scout cookies and creating that savory dish using the cookies. Um, so it's very creative, very fun, um, very, very tasty um, options as well. There has to be one of Samoa's. There, there is has, one with Samoa's. Oh, there has to be. There is it's one my, with Samoa's. It's my absolute favorite of, the, <laughs> of, of all the Girl Scout cookies. Yes, there, there is one with Samoa's. Um, also Thin Mints, Dosidos, Tagalongs. Lemon ups and trifoils. Yeah, so uh, if your your favorite Girl Scout cookie will be well represented by a give a chef a cookie event uh, coming up. Uh, we got Ashley with the uh, with the Girl Scouts with us today. So so give us some more details about uh, about the event and what else will be going along with of course these uh, incredible dishes. Yeah, so um, shout out to our restaurants that are participating, our chefs that are participating. We have Bin Seven O Seven, Six Two Six on Rude, Feisty Pint, the Ale House the Flying Pig from Community Hospital, as well as the Flavors Grill from Family Health West, all participating. Um, tickets are $75 a person, and it's a cocktail-style event. So come 6 o'clock, and um, you'll go around and, and taste all of the, the foods that they've created. We will also have some Girl Scouts there. We did a, a competition between girls for creating desserts for the event. So you'll have a couple of desserts to try as well. They're made by girls here locally. And then there will be some girls selling cookies as well. So if you get a idea of something in your head and you want to go home and get creative, you can purchase some cookies to do that. Well, you can try to replicate one of yeah. these incredible recipes that, uh, that you'll uh, be able to taste at the event. And uh, because of the event, there's uh, they can't honor, you cannot honor dietary restrictions. So do keep that in mind if you're going to go to Correct. it, if you're worried about nuts or things like that, um, maybe, maybe or, or gluten or, or those kind of things. That is going to be something that uh, you're just, uh, you're, you're not going to be able to, to to cater to everybody's dietary restrictions. Correct. Each chef should be able to let you know if there are any allergens in their dishes. Um, but yes, all of the cookies that are being used um, do have gluten in them. So, uh, we're talking with Ashley with the, the Grand Junction girl with the uh, with the Girl Scouts here on the Western Slope. And so, Ashley, as far as um, Girl Scouts, how many girls locally are involved in in Girl Scouts? So out of our Grand Junction office here, we serve the Western Slope. There's about 1,500 Girl Scouts all across the Western Slope, um, and roughly a little over 400 of those are here in Mesa County. So once again, give us dates, times, location for the event. Yeah, Friday, February 23rd, 6 to 8 p.m., Lincoln Park Barn. All right, get out and support the Girl Scouts and enjoy an incredible dish with uh, Give a Chef a Cookie to benefit the Western Slope Girl Scouts. Ashley, appreciate the time. Thanks for coming in. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back, and up next, we'll talk with Fruit of Monument Boys basketball coach Michael Wells. It's a Wine About a Wednesday with Talon Wine. Send it in to us today on the team line, 970-242-1340. Who do I listen to? The Jim Davis Show on Colorado's sports leader. Whoever suggested that has got to be smoking crack and plenty of it. Oh. The team talking through the Monument Boys basketball with Coach Michael Wells on the Jim Davis Show. And Fruto Monument Boys Coach Michael Wells brought to you by the Rick Nelson Agency and American Family Insurance for a free comparison. Call this team of licensed professionals at 970-241-0078. He's the coach of the Southwestern League champion Fruto Monument Boys who are also the overall number one seed in the 6A state basketball tournament which starts tonight with the Wildcats taking on the 32 seed Highlands Ranch. Michael Wells joins us. Good morning, Michael. How are you? I'm good. Good morning. Uh, good talking with you last night, and I know something you mentioned to me that I hope you don't mind me bringing up, that when, when you cut the nets down to to celebrate winning the Southwestern League title, that oh, the guys in your team each got a piece of the net, but then you took the net itself and threw it in the trash. Take us through 
symbolically what you're trying to get across to your team by doing that? Well, you know, normally, you know, we've, we've never cut the nets down when I was on the girls' side for winning the Southwestern League because we had bigger goals, you know, and, and I want a net from the Coliseum, you know, and that sort of thing. But, you know, I think it's been 34 years since, you know, someone went undefeated throughout the regular season, and um, it's just not something you experience very much. You know, I've been... I've been coaching for 23, 24 years, and it's something that I've never been able to part of, be part of. So I just thought, you know, it was important that the guys, um, you know, had a, a little piece of, of history to remember it by, something just to to be able to look at and, and just reflect on this season and that sort of thing. But it doesn't change our goals. You know, our, our goals are still to, you know, to be able to win, you know, win the next couple of games in the in the playoffs at our place and, you know, hopefully get to the Coliseum and, and see what happens. And, you know, while while championships are fun to celebrate, um, you know, we've we've hung a lot of banners on the, you know, on the one side of the gym. But, you know, I don't think anybody's put a, a state championship banner up since like 2000 or something like that. And so, you know, that's what we're after. And that's the long term goal. So that was just a way to, you know, hey, congratulations and, and job well done. But, you know, we're not done yet. And so, um, you know, hopefully that was symbolic of that. And that got the message across to the guys and, and got us focused on tonight. Right, that, that you're not trying to diminish what that accomplishment was, but, hey, let's celebrate it. It's a great milestone. You, you, you run the table and, and go undefeated to finish the regular season, but there's still those bigger goals ahead, and that's getting to the, the Coliseum and having a chance at winning uh, a state championship. For your team, get the number one seed in the 6A Boys State Basketball Tournament, the state's highest classification. What, how much pressure is it on this, this basketball team to, to, to kind of live up to that and, and, and represent the Western Slope considering you are the, the number one team in the highest classification in the state heading into the postseason? Well, you know, I think we felt pressure the entire year. Uh, you know, there became a point after the Christmas break where, you know, we thought we had a chance to run the table and we knew we were going to get everybody's best. We we felt pressure. Um, and, and our guys hear the clippings and they read the Denver Post and they see the online forums and and people who make comments about, you know, where we're at as the number one seed and how it's a joke and we don't play this and we don't play that and, and that sort of thing. So, you know, we, we feel a responsibility to, you know, to defend that and, and represent not only our school and, and this side of the state, um, you know, by, by making a run here in the playoffs. But, you know, we talked last night, you know, they can disrespect us and, and they can do a number of those sorts of things. The fact of the matter is we have to prove it on the court and, uh, you know, while there's responsibility and there's pressure and those sorts of things, I think we've been feeling that for a while. And, and maybe after the game against Durango, we almost had a little bit of a release and ability to refocus and and that sort of thing. And, you know, I think Highlands Ranch feels a little bit of pressure because I've seen all the message boards saying that they're going to upset us and they're going to, you know, they're going to represent the Eastern Slope, you know, and they may have nothing to lose in terms of coming over here, but, you know, there's responsibility, I think, from both sides. So it's kind of a perfect scenario. And, um, you know, hopefully once the ball tips, we're just, we're ready to go and we forget about all that stuff. So tonight is Highlands Ranch and uh, playing that 6A, 5A Continental League where uh, Highlands Ranch went 3-7 and seven this season. They're 10-12 and 12, and, you, and you look at those numbers and go, mm, they're not a very good basketball team. Then you look at the league. We have Chaparral's a third seed. Mountain Vista's a two seed in this uh, tournament behind your basketball team. That is a very tough, difficult league that they play in. I mean, it's it's the Big Twelve, um, you know, of 
of high school basketball. There's there's no freebies in that deal, um, you know. So they'll definitely be battle tested. There's there's no question that you know they've played the top competition in the state night in and night out, which you know can only help them you know to be better. And you know I think we've taken a, a lot of heat you know in the papers and the forums and that sort of thing for you know the flaws in the seating index for us being number one, but. You know, I mentioned to you last night, it's just as much of a flaw that they're the 32 seed as we are the one, you know, potentially. But, you know, I think it, it gets us off on the right foot in the state tournament. It, it's a matchup that, you know, is going to be a challenge for us. And, you know, we can't worry so much about them. we got to worry about us. And, you know, I think we have a pretty good basketball team, too. And so, you know, hopefully we're ready to go and, and we've done what we need to do. And, and uh, you know. Hopefully, you can you only got to score one more point than the other team this time of year, and, and style points don't really matter. And you know that's our focus is just getting through this, moving on. For an alignment, boys basketball coach Michael Wells with us on the Team Sports Network. Part of the challenge with this Islands Ranch team is who do you stop because they have eight players that score five points or more. Uh, Peyton Tier Ike is their leading scorer at almost ten points per game, but. As you and I talked about last night, you watched a lot of film of this uh, of this Falcons team, Michael. Every night it's a different guy stepping up, hitting big threes, being their scoring leader, helping them win basketball games. It's tough to identify who's the guy you really have to stop when it comes to Highlands Ranch. Yeah, it's an interesting scout. You know, I think I've watched their last seven full games, and, you know, I don't know that I know who their best player is yet. You know, they, they just come at you from – a ton of different angles and, and it's a different guy every night. Um, and, you know, sometimes you just wish you had a team that had a guy scoring 20. So you knew who to take out, you know? So um, you, you want to try and align your team to, to match up with your best defensive sets and, and that sort of thing. But with this group, you know, their guards are more their penetrators and drivers inside scores and their big guys shoot the three better. And so it just it presents an interesting challenge, and and that just means all of us have to be good. There's nobody that can hide. Everybody has to rebound. You got to challenge every shot. You got to contain dribble penetration, and um, you know hopefully you know the work we've done through the season gives us a chance to have them at home, and and maybe it's a unique situation for them to have to travel you know over here, which they don't do very often, and you know you get a chance to you know hopefully they miss some shots and you get a chance to jump out on them and hold on. And they love to pressure. They're going to press you all night long. A lot of uh, responsibility on your backcourt to, to deal with that pressure and make good decisions. Yeah, we've talked all week about how important it is, it is for us to be solid. You know, we feel like our guard play is a strength. And, um, you know, we feel like teams that press us, we've made them pay all year. Um, but this group is, is tip the buzzer. You know, run and jump press. They're going to swarm you. They're going to foul you. They're going to you know, beat you up a little bit and, and got to be physical. You just, you can't be careless with your passes. You can't be lazy meeting the pass, um, you know, and, and how we handle that's really going to be a key to the game because if you can, if you can break that first wave, you got an opportunity to play three on two or two on one on the back end and hopefully shoot a lot of layups. And I feel like, you know, that's a strength of ours. If we handle it the right way, um, you know, I think it could lead to some good stuff for us, but if you don't, you know, they'll speed you up and, and cause some cause some issues for you, and then you end up giving up easy baskets, and it puts you in a in a bad situation. All right, looking forward to it tonight. Added Fruital Monument, uh, Wildcat Boys, number one seed in the 6A state tournament, taking on the 32-seed Highlands Ranch. Our coverage starts at 5.30 tonight with uh, the Fruital Boys tipping it at 6 o'clock. We'll also have coverage of Grand Junction Denver North tonight over at the Tigers Gym. 
Plus, we'll have a, a live listen-in on the Delta Boys at Pagosa Springs tonight in the 4A State Tournament, plus updates on Central and Palisade Boys in action tonight in the 5A State Tournament. Always appreciate it, Michael. See you at a fruit later on. Sounds good. Thank you, Jim. Thank you. Michael Wells, Fruit of Boys basketball coach. He, he realizes, understands the challenge. He also knows what talent he has with this basketball team. With, with Daniel Thomason, with Jet Wells, Max Orchard, that group, mm-hmm. that, um, that this is a team that you don't, you don't just luck into going undefeated throughout the regular season. And it's a team that's gotten better as the season's gone along. And I think they, they relish the challenge of showing the front range that they've earned that, that number one seed in the 6A basketball tournament. But uh, like Michael referenced, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of chatter right now on, you know, on social media about Highlands Ranch is going to come in here and, and beat the Wildcats tonight mm-hmm. and come up with a big upset that, that the league that Fruita plays in isn't as good as a front range. There is some truth to that. Definitely. There is some truth to that. But when, but when Michael and I talked last night, you got to back up the why you feel like you earned that. And you back that up by getting a win mm-hmm. tonight against Highlands Ranch. And Highlands Ranch, yeah, he's right. There's chatter. Now that's pressure on Highlands Ranch, right? The 32 seed usually doesn't have any pressure, but now it is like, all right, you guys are the ones that are first up to go over there and prove that the Western Slope is not worthy of that number one seed. They they didn't deserve it. Yeah. Add pressure on a Highlands Ranch team that's just kind of snuck into the playoffs. And Fruta's got some grinded out wins. They've got some blowout wins. They got wins where on any on any particular night, they maybe weren't the best team on the field or on the court, rather. And then some other nights, they were absolutely the best five guys on the court at any given time. They have Daniel Thomason, who is a player that there's not a whole lot of guys in the state that are going to run up against a player that, that has that size, that athleticism, and that you know variety of moves. That works into their favor. And then, you, and then you got the, the Jet Wells is only a sophomore, and mm-hmm. and how he runs this team, how he makes the right decisions with the basketball. Yeah, that they've they've got that kind of he can shoot that a kind of, like a guy that can be a be a big time scorer. We've mm-hmm. seen that happen many many times this season for Fruit of Monument. Should be a really good one tonight. Once again, our coverage starts at five thirty eight forty one. We will take a break. We'll come back on the other side. We'll talk with the Avs Radio Voice Connor McGahey. It's a wine about a Wednesday with Talon Wine. Um, so send that in to us, Dave. If you got something to complain about to win a bottle of Talon Wine, we'll also have Wrigley Field Cutter Sports Trivia coming up in just a little bit. I'm a big sports addict. I like sports. 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 This is the Jim Davis Show on the team. 101 FM, 1340 AM, Grand Junction. 102.1 FM, Delta Montrose. Talking avalanche hockey with the voice of the Avs, Connor McGahey on the team. <laughs> He's the voice of the Avalanche. Had the call last night. The Avalanche knocking off Vancouver at Ball Arena. Connor McGahee joins us. Good morning, Connor. How are you? Good, Jimmy. How are you? I'm doing well. So last night, we're thinking, okay, here we go again. They, they get the win against Arizona. Devon Taves gets a late goal. They give up a goal early on. And going, okay. They, this one, they start to look like they're building some momentum. Here it, here it starts again until the Avalanche went out and picked up a 3-1 victory last night. And Ryan Johansson, who said, yeah, I haven't really been doing anything different to, to try to get myself going. 
Well, he gets two goals last night, his first goal since December 29th. And uh, so for the Avalanche, uh, they're able to uh, to get Ryan Johansson going last night to get a 3-1 win against the top team in the West in Vancouver. Yeah, and uh, everybody ropes, everybody rides. And it took 27 seconds left in the third period for Nathan McKinnon to keep his streak alive. But um, for the most part, it was it was uh, it was everybody else on the uh, on the team, except for the fact that the first, seven of the first eight shots on goal were for the starters. So the party of five of Ranton and McKinnon, uh, Drew Antaves, and McCarr. But um, it was good to see the puck go in for Ryan Johansson, and uh, I think he, he was. I don't want to say he was called out, but he was sort of asked by coach to. To improve his efforts a little bit, and that's exactly what he uh, he got, and, and he got rewarded for with two goals. Um, the first one, he's he's in the right place. He knows that that puck is going to come off the end wall from from Jack Johnson, and then the second one is is uh, what we teach kids all the time: just throw the puck on net, and good things happen. And it uh, and it sure did. So um, he's got 13 goals in the season with his new team, Colorado, and and he's helped contribute. So. Uh, and frankly, it was a night that uh, the Colorado needed it last night. Habs Radio Voice Connor McGahee with us today on the Team Sports Network. I know uh, Ryan had also ta- had talked about with the, the, the postseason fast approaching that it's got to get something going here because the Avalanche could use the, the scoring of a Ryan Johansson going forward. Um, I mean, not that this game solves all of his problems, but but hopefully, Connor, this is, this is the beginning of uh, maybe a good restart for Ryan Johansson moving forward. Yeah, and it's not just him. I mean, I think it's everybody. I think the team could frankly use that to to get to, to start to play the way that they want to uh, to win the division. Because if you don't win the division, you've got to play Winnipeg and Dallas back-to-back most likely, and nobody wants to do that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it starts individually, and then it moves up uh, as a group. And so you need a guy like him um, to, to put the puck in the net. And... I've said this all along. I get a sneaky suspicion that guys like him and Zach Parise um, will have gigantic moments uh, when it comes to the postseason. And and, and uh, the practice for that starts right now as we sort of exit the dog days of the season. Last night, Alexander Georgiev made 24 saves last night uh, for Colorado. And so for, for Georgia, uh, a good effort last night. Uh, and the Avs played well in front of him. Sammy Gerrard had a a moment that prevented a, a, a you know almost yep. a, a, a certain goal for Vancouver last night, to, and did a great job of getting the, the puck uh, out of harm's way last night. Avs played well in that end uh, of the ice last night. Yeah, and and Gerard's been uh, spectacular for a myriad of reasons. Uh, but Georgiev had a couple of saves that probably could have counted as two or three. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, um, but you know he. The first one goes in almost a carbon copy play of the chance that Nathan McKinnon had on the opposite end of the ice. Uh, but J.T. Miller gets it to go. Uh, but that's the only one they let in. And we've been saying it for a while that, that the Avalanche need to start putting twos, ones, and zeros on their side of the board. And they did against one of the most potent offenses in the National Hockey League last night. And that says a lot about where they were going into that game. That says a lot about where... Uh, Georgiev was going into that game, so it was uh, the performance that he needed to have and that he did have. The March 8th trade deadline continues to uh, to get a little bit closer for, for the Avalanche and the rest of the NHL. What's your sense right now about the direction of Chris McFarland, Joe Sackick, 
in what we might see the Avalanche do or maybe not do when uh, Mike I, Chase rolls around. I am Sergeant Schultz. I know nothing. You know nothing. <laughs> you have, been, have you been committed to to silence and secrecy on this uh, on this topic? No, no, no. P- people think that I have this inside back <laughs> to things. I don't. I, I there there are so many fans who find out news before I do. I I learn from X just like everybody else. So yeah, I honestly don't know um, what will happen. I'm you know I'm as curious to to see what as what happens as everybody else. It's not necessarily my place to snoop around so i don't right. so we'll just sit back and and react when the time is appropriate what do you think might happen just in the conor mcgahee uh, opinion <laughs> mill well i mean you need you need forwards you do um you need uh, and here's the thing it's just the return of val is is everything and if he comes back that changes um how they uh how they will play i mean he's to me, he's he's the important piece, and you don't want to just hinge it on one player, but um, but you can with him. And if you get your captain to return, that's an added bonus. And so at that point, I mean, the, those are two acquisitions um, that are fifty times better than anybody else that you can acquire, um, really, in the National Hockey League. So um, basically, maybe it's a what you don't do. Um, so. If, if those two are back into the lineup, then the team functions as it's designed on paper. And I think that is a very dangerous team. The only other question would be a backup goaltender. There was that news about Jake Allen and how there was, uh, you know, talks between Montreal and, and Colorado, but no deal is close. And everyone wants Mark Andre Fleury, so... We'll see. It's a very strange late trade deadline. I don't know why uh, it's so late this year, but uh, if if deals are made closer to the deadline, it doesn't give players a whole lot of time uh, with their new team to get going before uh, the postseason. But yeah, I would I would say it it depends on the status of, of those two, and and uh, if they're good to go, then maybe you don't do anything. Do you hear anything about Valari Nachushkin? And I don't. And yeah, I, 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 I do not. Yeah, I mean, because we, because no. obviously it's going to take a little bit of time for him to knock the rust off, but certainly that's uh, that's that's going to be a, a far faster addition, an impactful addition than, than Gabriel Landeskog, because of of how long Landy's been out and and recovering from from the knee surgery and and dealing without his rehab. Nachushkin would be a, a like you said. I, I agree. There's there's the potential for addition without subtraction for the avalanche with, with the trade deadline. But the, the case is with Valari Nichushkin, it's not an injury. He's, he's dealing with personal issues in the player assistance program. You want him to get right first. We've talked about that. I mean, you want him mm-hmm. to be healthy and him to get right before hockey even becomes a, a, a discussion point, I think, for Valari Nichushkin. Yeah, 100%. And, um, and it's definitely the type of scenario where you want the human piece to be sorted first and you want him to be set as a man, a husband and a father. And then he could be a hockey player after that. Um, and, and like I said, I wish I had an update. I do not, um, even coach didn't have much of one. And so it's the type of process that you just have to, and you want, you want it to take the time that it needs. So, um, with, with that being said, um, I mean, you hope that he comes back selfishly from a 
hockey fan perspective, you want him back in your lineup because you want your team to do well. But we have to check ourselves a lot to to just remind ourselves that look, this is this is a lot bigger than that. So let's let's get that sorted out first and and wish him the very best. Avs Radio Voice Connor McGahee with us today on the Team Sports Network. A uh, little bit of the piece in the post the other day about uh, the Avs defensive core, which has had some some rough stretches at times this season, uh, even with all the incredible talent, Kale McCarr and Sammy Gerrard and everybody. But uh, but lately they've uh, they've started to maybe come into their own a little bit, Connor, in terms of 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 guys kind of getting back on the right track, groups healthier, but also just playing better. And that's been part of the problem during stretches. That group just not playing as well as they're capable of. They've been doing that as of late. Yeah, without a doubt. And I think the perfect example. I mean, we talked about Sam Gerrard earlier. Uh, Bo Byram is another one that comes to mind. Um, you know, he, he had three straight games, multi-point efforts, um, starting to play the the familiar brand that we knew uh, from him back in the 2022 Cup run. Um, it, Josh Manson uh, has been healthy, which has been good because he's a big physical body but can also jumpstart and attack. Uh, Jack Johnson is steady as she goes. So for me, and especially when they're playing at least close to their best, they're they're the best decor in the National Hockey League, and uh, and they're a big reason and a big key to the Avalanche's success in the postseason. So, um, like I said, any issues that the team has, and especially the, the defensive core has, because if you think of Byram, Gerard, Taves, and McCarr, I mean that's, that's about as good, good yeah. as the top four deep pairing as you're going to get anywhere. And it's, and look at the second unit power play; you got three three defensemen out there because they consider them uh, as skilled or more skilled than some of the forwards. Um, so it is an embarrassment of riches, and th- they can turn the switch on at any time, which is what makes the avalanche so lethal. Hey, Connor, always appreciate the time. Thank you so much, and uh, and uh, we always enjoy talking, to the av- talking about the avalanche with you. Grab you again next week. Pleasure's mine, Jimmy. Good to talk to you. Likewise. Take care. Connor McGahey, Radio Bye. Voice of the Avalanche, with us on the program this morning. All right, uh, 856 uh, CSU voice Brian Roth will join us next hour. Maybe get some insight on why Joe Parker is no longer the athletic director at Colorado State University. We'll uh, we'll dive into that coming up next hour with uh, Brian. So uh, also next hour we're going to move we'll move Wrigley Field Colorado Sports Trivia to next hour. Still have a chance to win a bottle of wine from Talon Wine today. It's a wine about a Wednesday from Talon Wine. So if you have something that's just grinding your gears that you just need to get off your chest like the nba all-star game is a joke maybe it should be played by bench players and rookies thoughts yeah maybe that's that's a possibility we got one from dylan as well we'll get to that next hour also one from uh, brian on the text line so we'll share those texts with you next hour and coming up brian roth voice of the csu rams that's on the way on the jim davis show on the team sports network